Good morning and welcome to those of you watching online as well. My name is Randy Skolton and I'm on staff here at, the, uh, at Orchard. And I'm just going to dive in uh, really with just something you should know about me is I love the church. And specifically, I love this church. I am deeply passionate about our mission, our strategies, and our values. And I just want to get some house cleaning out of the way uh, right now. Uh, I want to say up front, my goal is not to shame anyone this morning. I don't want anyone walking away feeling convicted that now you have to do something out of guilt, shame, and obligation. Not the goal today. So uh, hang with me. Uh, many of you as well uh, might be in a place where you're just walking back into the church or you're just coming to the church for the first time and you're not ready uh, for any kind of next step. And that's okay. I want you to know it's okay. You might also be in a place that I know that I've been before. Maybe you've not felt safe in the church. Maybe you've not felt welcome by the church. Or maybe you've even felt hurt by the church. We get it wrong sometimes. So I'm hoping that we can extend some grace to one another this morning as we navigate the what, the why, and the how. Uh, and for all of these reasons, I'm really passionate uh, about this series that we're in. What is the church? And not just the what, because I don't think you can talk about the what without talking about the why and the how. Because I think they're equally as important. Why? Why should we be a part of the church? And not just the church. But this one, Orchard Hill Church, why should I, why should you be a part of the Orchard Hill Church family? Why should you engage with, with what's happening here at Orchard? Why should we gather together physically? Why should we be in community and worship together? And why should we all invest our time, our talents, our gifts, and our financial resources? And how? How do we do that? How do we do that when we feel like we have nothing to give, we have no margin in our lives, no time to give, no spiritual gifts that you think will serve the church, or financial resources are limited? So I might challenge some of you this morning, and we're all going to be okay, uh, but what I really hope is that this series has opened up some doors to conversations. Um, I'd love to sit with any of you and have conversations uh, about this series, the what, the why, and the how. Uh, because the how is super important for you to fully engage, to be on mission, and be a part of what we're doing here at Orchard. And so friends, I really mean it. Reach out. Let's have coffee. Let's have a Coke. I'd love to have a conversation with you. But let me start this morning with asking you this question. Uh, those of you who know me know that I love to ask a lot of questions. And so here's my question this morning. If you were asked, if I asked you, what is the church, how would you respond? How would you define the church? Would you describe a building, a physical place? What would it look like? Would you describe the kind of people in it? And if so, if you would describe it by the people, what would they look like? What would, would they look just like you? Would they act like you? Think like you? I actually got to sit down with uh, some trusted people and actually ask this question like, what is the church? And shocking, I know, uh, but we all had our own version of what the church looks like, what the church is responsible for, what the church should and shouldn't do, how the church should and shouldn't act. But here's the bottom line. 
the church is me and the church is you. All of us are the church. It isn't this building. It's this body of believers. You, me, all of us. Deeply sinful, deeply broken, and deeply imperfect. The church, us, is sinful. It is broken. It is imperfect. And all too often, myself included, we want to complain, we want to cr criticize, and we want to blame the church when it falls short of our expectations. And I hate to tell you that if you have your own idealistic version of what the church should be, what the church should look like, again, how they should act, what they should do, I think you're always going to be disappointed. But remember, you are the church. We are the church. It was never designed to be this brick and mortar building. It was never designed to be what we wanted it to be. It was always by God's design to be a community of followers, diverse by his creation, united together under the leadership of Christ. The church is a people positioned in a body, the body of Christ, who is the head. And not one part is more superior than the other. And not one part is less valuable than another. You, me, we are the body that makes up the whole by his design, not ours. I want to take a look this morning at how Paul actually describes this one united body uh, in Corinthians. And he says in 1 Corinthians, just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slaves or free. And we were all given one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. In fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. And if they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts but one body. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. You see, we all have gifts and things to contribute to the well-being of the body. We all have a place to belong and a role to play. Our love for the body goes up exponentially when we invest. And when we invest in playing our part, not sitting on the sidelines. So this kind of leads into my why. Why be here? Why invest in the church and specifically Orchard Hill Church? And I do oversimplify things, so I'm just going to say that. Uh, and to me, this answer is simple because we need it. And the church functions better when we all contribute our part. We all have a part to play in fulfilling the mission of Orchard Hill Church. And to me, the why is that simple. I think it's like being a part of a family. For the overall good, the health, and the well-being of the family, you must actively engage in the family. 
You don't just show up when you're hungry to be fed. You don't just show up to rest when you're tired. You must contribute to the family for the overall good of the entire family unit. And just like any family, you're going to get mad. Yes, you will be disappointed at times. And why? Because a family is broken, it is sinful, and it is imperfect. It will fail us from time to time. But we have to do our part and keep going. And that's exactly what Paul was talking about with the Corinthians. If you read 1 Corinthians chapter 12 in its entirety, he's addressing the spiritual gifts that we all have, that, we've, that are vital to the body, the unity of the church. And we're responsible for using them to glorify Christ, the head of the body. And here's what Paul writes in Romans. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ, we though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. Humble service in the body of Christ. And I do believe this might be challenging for some of you. Maybe you've actually never thought about it this way or saw yourself as I in the church. Or you have a million reasons to show up on Sunday and not consider your own function in the overall body. And here's what I want to say to that. We are all part of the process. We partner with God to bring wholeness and healing. We are not consumers sitting on the sidelines. We are invited. We are invited to be God's agents of reconciliation, mercy, grace, truth, wisdom, and hope. We have to join him as part of the body of Christ. Not a separate function of our own, but rather under the leadership of Christ. For the church to reach its full potential, we have to be partners. We have to be co-owners. We need you to invest in the body and the mission. The body and mission of Orchard Hill Church. The future of the church is not dependent on us as teachers, us as leaders, or this amazing worship team, or our staff. But us, all of us in this room, all of you watching online, all the leadership, volunteers, next generations. The future is in all of us, the church. Paul says in Ephesians, he talks about unity and hope. And he says, make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called, called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and Father of all, who is over all, through all, and in all. And he goes on to say in 15 to 16, instead speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Unity. One spirit, one 
hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, one body. And I think there's nothing that the devil wants more than for the body to be dismembered. We're seeing this happen day after day after day. And so how? How do we become a part of the body? The mission and invest, engage, belong, and worship is one body under the leadership of Christ. And forgive me, because uh, the how can be a little bit challenging for people. Because the how actually requires something of us. It no longer allows us to show up on Sunday, be a consumer, and then go about the rest of our week, friends. And I feel it too. I really do. I have all kinds of things on my plate. Uh, all kinds of things that are, you know, bidding for my time. I have competing values like many of you. I have lots of things competing for my time, my talents, my gifts, my resources. I mean, right? You guys do. And we hold each of these things at a particular value in our life. And because of the value we place on all of these various things, they begin to compete with one another. And so how do we decipher it all? Prioritize and determine who gets what part of us, who gets our attention, and who gets our resources. And so I just want to, for full transparency, I'm just going to uh, talk about two of ours in our family, just so you know uh, where we sit. And I hate to admit it, uh, but these two things compete with each other from time to time, and probably more so than I like. Uh, and that's just because these are two of our highest values in our family. And our first one is our, clearly our family, our family unit. And so this is a picture of my family unit, one of my highest priorities, my highest values. Uh, and... You know, we have four children, so we have two adult children who, you know, they're out there, they're living their life, but it still requires my time because I have to invest in those relationships. And then we have these other two who are still on our payroll, and they're doing all kinds of things that we love, like we genuinely do. We have uh, a daughter who is a competitive tennis player. She runs cross country, and I'm pretty sure she plays just about every instrument known to man. And so we spend a lot of time at concerts, um, and I love her, and I love those things. Uh, don't hear that. Then our other one, uh, he actually loves to run, so he's on, in cross country as well. Uh, he does you know, I mean, since that kind of racing actually isn't fast enough, he's chosen uh, four wheels and a dirt track is his other option. So we spend endless hours, like many of you, is an unpaid Uber, and even more time at courts, lessons, auditoriums, and dirt tracks. Our second highest value in our family is our faith. Our church community, our faith, is extremely, extremely important to us, and it is one of our highest values. And so how do we as a family be a part of our church, our community, and live out our faith while doing all of these other things that we do? And it's not lost on me that this is what I actually get to do for a living. I don't have to. I get to, and it's a privilege. So it seems that doing both of these things that are competing would be easier for us because I work here, but it's actually not. Because you see, my husband and my children, they have other things. They have work. They have school. All of these activities. But here's the deal. In our world, in our life, we have decided that these two values are not completely separate parts functioning on their own. They are so deeply woven together 
sewn together, intimately a part of one another. What appear to be two competing values are two separate parts functioning together as one body in our lives. In our world, one does not exist without the other. And we get to do and we choose to do both at the same time. Because we are investing in both of them at the same time. The overflow of our faith and our investment in the church bleeds into every aspect of our life. And I'm honored that I actually get to go and I get to develop relationships and hear people's stories absolutely everywhere I go. And even more importantly, on a dirt track in the middle of Palmyra, Missouri, because that's where we've chosen to spend our time. And I love it. We get to live out our faith and how we interact and treat others. It's overflow. And I also know that for the 24 hours on a weekend that I spend at a dirt track, that I can give joyfully, I can give two hours a week to lead a small group, to cook a meal for students and leaders, serve coffee on a Sunday morning, greet people at the doors as they're walking in. My husband and my son serve in the booth uh, and on cameras. My daughter serves in kids' ministry, passing out boogie boards and on the worship team. And none of this, none of this is done out of guilt, shame, or obligation. It's out of our deep love for the overall good of the body. We know we have an active role to play. And so let's talk about some practical ways that can act, where you can actively participate in the body. And that's the how here at Orchard. And I'm going to kind of cheat this morning and take the easy way. Uh, because we have four strategies that we speak of often uh, here at Orchard. Uh, and I just think they're really important. And I don't want us to walk away this morning uh, without actually out, you know, talking about them. So here are some of the ways uh, that you can. And the ways that I'm seeing some of you already. Belong. Belong in community. And there are so many ways for you to do this. It's small groups. It's serving. Whenever you serve, you're actually belonging in a community with others. You can join a ministry, engage in an event. There are so many. Invest in others. You can serve in kids' ministry on a Sunday morning. You can sign up to serve with one of our mission partners inside, outside of our walls. Serve a neighbor. Serve a coworker. Serve a friend. Lead a small group in student ministries. Did you know that on Wednesday nights we have more than 200 junior high students that gather? And these students are boldly inviting others, which is amazing. But what does that require? It requires adults to lead them. And it's been so cool for me this year to see um, we have this team of people once a month cooking family meals, uh, which has been actually generated and started out of our student ministries. Um, I've seen this group of guys step up and lead men's breakfast, and now they're taking it into a whole new level of doing a Bible study together. These are ways that we actually get to celebrate and see you all serving and investing in others. Engage the Bible is one of our strategies. Actively join us for an Engage the Bible group. Set up your own spiritual discipline at home to grow deeper in your relationship with Christ. And worship. Yes, I do mean this form of corporate worship. But also all, fit, all the things I just talked about. Everything we do to actively participate in the body is worship. Serving in the coffee house. 
It's worship. Greeting on the hospitality team. It's worship. Running a camera. It's worship. And I do want to take a moment um, to speak to those watching online uh, just for a moment. And first, thank you for joining us. Uh, I know online services are convenient and they're necessary. Especially for those of you who are geographically or physically just unable to be right here in this room with us. But for those of you choosing the comfort of your couch, it is important to remember why being here in person is so important for you and your family. I want to challenge you, and I know that is a big one uh, and one that might ruffle your feathers a little bit. But I want to challenge you. I actually want to invite you back into this space with us. You cannot serve from your sofa. You can't have a community of faith like this from your sofa. You can't experience a room full of worshipers from your sofa. I think that, uh, you know, watching at home, I don't know, this is actually the experience, the best way for me to equate it is that, you know, it's kind of like a football game, right? You sit at home, you watch the football game, and it's great and it's amazing. But when you actually get to go to a football game, you get to experience it with hundreds and thousands of other people. And so that's why I think it's so important that we sit in this space because there's a deeper level of connection, a deeper, richer experience when we are all here together. And so for all of us, Christians were not designed to be consumers, to come only on Sundays to be fed. We don't attend, we belong. We are contributors, and we serve as Christ came to not be served, but to serve. We don't watch, we engage. We give, we sacrifice, we encourage. We pray by laying hands on the hurting. We do life together. The church needs you, and you need the church. We all need the church. I need the church. I believe the church is the light in the darkness. The church is the hope of the world. And you are the church. You are the light and the hope of the world. It isn't superstars, politicians, or whatever idol uh, is the light and the hope of the world. It is you, the body, the church. And I want the church to be around for the next generation. I want this church to be around for next generation. I believe the hope sits here in this room. And we are called to do our part and to live it out in our lives. God wants his whole church to take the whole gospel to the whole world. So friends, let's do this together. Let's be the light in the darkness, the hope to the hopeless. And let's do it with joy, love, and positivity. We will get it wrong sometimes. But let's be the church that extends mercy and grace, forgiveness, and love to everyone. To take the gospel to the whole world. Okay, will you pray with me? God, this church, um, it was your design. It wasn't ours. It was never to be ours. And so, Lord, I just pray that um, you will just help us be a body of believers that is united and that we are one and that we are using the gifts that you've given us uh, to serve one another, to serve our communities, and to serve the world. Help us, Lord, 
to be the light in the darkness, and to be the hope to the hopeless. In your son's name, amen.